You're listening to one of the sermons preached from Shalom Baptist Chapel, recorded at one of our worship services. They are really practical, and I tell you, if you catch one of the books or one of the articles, I think it will really do good to you. So I think maybe we can just just take a snapshot of this, choose one book, read, and I think today's sermon's done. Let's close in prayer. But of course not. The, it, the thing about this is this. All these are very practical and there is a need for us to talk about how we can control, how we master our emotions. They're very practical skills. If we're not careful, we may end up like many people thinking that emotion, emotion itself, is the key problem in the matter. If we are not careful, like many people, especially if even some, those who have written uh, books like this, even though they are very practical, they end up thinking that emotion itself is the key problem in the matter. But what if, what if your emotions actually serve like no, something of a deeper issue inside you. What if your emotion is like a smoke detector? The sounding off of the smoke detector signals that there is a fire in the house, right? And likewise, what if your emotion, my emotion, it's like a smoke detector. It is signaling actually that there is something, a fire inside our soul that actually we need to be looking for and not just so much dealing with our emotions. It's like when we are angry, when you are angry, it's like, oh, I have an anger problem. So I want to read on anger management. I think you should. You should. We should really, really look for practical steps of how you can manage your anger. But I think what we are talking about is we are talking about going one step deeper into the matter. And we are saying that what if our emotions are like signaling, our signals to tell us that there is something else beneath the surface. And to illustrate that, let me show you a passage from the Old Testament in the Scriptures. It's a common passage that I'm sure if you are a Jesus follower, even if you are not, you might have heard this passage. It's from Genesis chapter 4. The Lord approved of Abel and his offering. But he didn't approve of Cain and his offering. So Cain became very angry and disappointed. Now you know the context. Cain and Abel, they were brothers. And they offered sacrifice. They brought offerings to God. And when they offered their offerings to God, God rejected Cain's offering while accepting Abel's offering. As a result of that, 
naturally, in a sense, Cain became very angry. Now watch this. This is what God said. Then the Lord asked Cain, Why are you angry? Cain, why are you angry? Why do you look so disappointed? If you do well, won't you be accepted? Cain talked to his brother Abel. Later, when they were in the fields, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So when Cain was angry, God was asking Cain, why are you angry? You shouldn't be angry, in other words. You shouldn't be angry, Cain, because if you did well, wouldn't you be accepted? But as we see, as we know, that Cain couldn't manage his anger. It looks like from the plain reading of this scripture passage, the issue was that Cain couldn't control his anger. And because Cain, because Cain couldn't control his anger, despite God warning him not to be angry, because he was angry, he was overwhelmed by his anger, and finally he killed his own brother. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have heard teachings and messages, uh, peop some people who preach that, you see, because of anger, because of untamed emotion, the first murder in the Bible was because of your emotion. Because of untamed emotion, if you aren't able to master your emotion, anger, that's what it does. Well, on the surface, it looks like it. But actually, I left a portion intentionally, left a portion in between. So let me show to you what I left. It says, right then, the Lord asked, you know, what asks, why are you angry, Cain? Why are you disappointed? You do want to be accepted. And this is the part I intentionally left out. God said, God continued and said, if you don't do well, if you don't do well, sin is lying outside your door to attack you. It wants to control you, but you must master it. Let me read that again. But if you don't do well, sin is lying outside your door ready to attack. It wants to control you, but you must master it. So from here, from this passage, we see that what? The thing that wants to control Cain is not the emotion per se, but what? Sin. It wants to control you. What is the it? It is the sin that is lying outside the door. And so sin, not emotion, wants to control you. Wants to control me as it did with King. So you see, K 
Cain's anger was, the, was like the smoke detector. And sin was the fire that his anger, his emotion was signaling to. Imagine, the, imagine when the smoke detector goes off and you, and you immediately you run and you begin to thoroughly check the smoke detector while ignoring the fire somewhere in the house. What does that picture look like? It's a picture of disaster, isn't it? Because while you are checking thoroughly the smoke detector, the fire is going to burn you up. And that was the picture of Cain. Because Cain, of course, he was consumed with anger. But God said, no, 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 anger is just a signal to you that actually there is something else that wants to control you. Sin, this sin is the one that wants to control you. Your anger is just signaling to you that sin is lying outside your door. It's ready to attack you. It wants to control you through that emotion that you're having. But you must master it. If you don't master it, it will burn you up. And quite honestly, that is also the picture of many Christians, many of us. That's a deeper look. And that's a deeper look at our emotion. So the question is how should we master our sin? If, if sin is the one that wants to control us, how do we go about mastering our emotion? Is to master the sin that is in us. As God says, sin wants to control you, not your emotion. I'm sure for those of you who have read on all these, you know that one of the misconceptions about emotions is that you cannot control your emotion. You know that it's a misconception. Psychologists have proven that and all those scientifically have proven that. That it is a misconception to think that you cannot control your emotions. No, you can control your emotions. And so you see, it's to master our emotion is to master that which wants to control us. And it's not the emotion, but it's the sin. So the question, therefore, is how we master sin. There's a saying that says, whatever you focus on, you feel. Right? Whatever you focus on, you feel. If you focus on the positive things, you feel quite positive. If you just focus, zoom in only on the negative parts, you quite, actually you, would, you can feel quite negative. I mean, people may be rejoicing. <laughs> people may be like, wow, these are the good changes. Wow, nice, and all those. 
But you know that there are some people like they are still very like upset and all those. Because why? They just keep on focusing on the negatives. They always like to find out some bad things about something. Some, they always find some loopholes to complain. And so I think this thing is true, isn't it? Whatever you focus on, that is what you feel. And so, the way to master our sin, sometimes it is not to focus on sin, but to focus on something else. <laughs> well, it doesn't mean that therefore we should not think about our sin. No, I'm not saying that. But there are times, there are times where we have to really deal with our sin. Say, okay, I have this sin in my life. I got to deal with this sin. I got to overcome. I got to think of ways how I can overcome this sin in my life. But sometimes, the way to overcome sin, the way to master sin, is not to focus on sin. <laughs> it's to focus on something else. But I think for some of you, you might be thinking, I don't know if you're thinking like me, it's like, what? We can control sin? Huh? But it's like, I thought like, we are all sinful nature, so we cannot control sin what? Sin, actually sin is the one that controls us, isn't it? You are right. Actually sin controls us. And that is why the gospel is such a great news. You know why? Because Romans 8 verse 1 and verse 2 says, There is now no condemnation to those who belong to Christ. And then verse 2 says, And then the life-giving spirit, the life-giving spirit frees you not only from the penalty of sin, but even from the power of sin. In other words, when you come to Christ, in Christ, when Christ died on the cross for our sin, He did not just forgave our sin in the sense of our penalty of our sin, the guilt of our sin, but He also overcome the power of sin in our lives. That's what Romans 8, 2 means. And therefore, if you are a Jesus follower, you cannot be saying that, oh, I am a Christian, but well, I'm still human being, so I cannot control myself. Sin just comes in, and well, what to do? We are susceptible to it. I am a human being. I'm still in my sinful nature. I cannot control sin. I know this is bad for me, but I just cannot control. You are being deceived. You are actually lying to yourself. Don't you know that? Because the scripture says if you are in Christ, the power of sin has been broken. <laughs> this morning we were talking about that. This we also touched on this topic. And, and we illustrated by using this, the phantom, phantom pain. Some of you know what phantom pain is, right? It's like when you... When you, cut, when you cut off your arm, your, everything is gone. Sometimes, even though you, you don't have your hand anymore, you feel the pain as if your hand is there. 
right? And it's scientifically proven that it's, 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 it's possible because it has already sent a signal into your brain. So even though you don't have your arm, you can feel the pain of your arm. You feel as if it is there. And that is a good illustration. When you are in Christ, the power of sin is no more. But of course, sometimes we feel that the sin has power over our lives. But that is not the truth. And that's why we need to remind ourselves. So, we need sometimes to deal with our sin. We must remember, just as it is not true that we cannot, it is, it is, a, it is a misconception to say that we cannot control our emotion. Likewise, it is a misconception for us who are in Christ to say that we cannot control our sin. No, we can control our sin. We can master our sin. But sometimes to master our sin, it is not to focus on sin itself, but on something else. And the Apostle Paul understood this. And that's what he wrote to the Ephesians. He wrote to the Ephesians to say that I need you to focus on something so that you can be full of God. So instead of focusing on sin to master sin, it is instead to focus on making ourselves being filled with the fullness of God in our lives. And that's what Paul teaches us. In Ephesians, this is what he says to the believers. He said, I pray that you and all God's holy people will have the power to understand the greatness of Christ's love how wide and how long and how high and how deep that love is. Paul was saying that my prayer for all of you is that you will have the power, you will have the potential, the avenue to understand the greatness of Christ's love for you. And in fact, Paul is basically saying that's actually the goal of a Jesus follower. That as a Jesus follower, your goal is to continue to grow deeper and deeper in your understanding of Christ's love for you. If Paul were to be standing here, he would even say this. Brothers, sisters, you have no idea. You have no idea the greatness for you. And that's why he said, right? That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for what? You. Paul understood the greatness of Christ's love. You know why? Real time. Real time for Paul. When Paul said, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Christ died for us. It was a real time for Paul. What do I mean? See, Paul never met Jesus. Paul, when Paul was persecuting the disciples, 
disciples, Jesus followers. Jesus was dying on the cross. It was a real time. Jesus was being crucified somewhere, and somewhere Paul was persecuting the Christians. And that's, why, and that's where Paul says, you know what? I don't know about you. But in that while I was sinning, in that while I was persecuting the followers of Jesus, Jesus was somewhere dying on the cross. And when he died, he was also dying for the sin I was committing at that time. Paul understood the magnitude of Christ's love for everyone. That's why Paul's prayer is this. Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, Paul's prayer for you even today, Paul's prayer for me today is this, that you would, you will understand the greatness of Christ's love for you. And interestingly, Paul continues on and says, Christ's love is greater than anyone can ever know. Paul is it's like saying, you know, my prayer is that you will have a greater understanding of Christ's love for you. But wait, I know Christ's love can never be known fully. But, but I pray that in spite of that, you will still be able to know that love. And Paul prayed that prayer for the people in Ephesians, for you even today, and for me, because there is a purpose. Because Paul said, then you can be filled with the fullness of God. Then, when you understand, when you are overwhelmed by how much Jesus loves you, that is the moment you become filled with the fullness of God. And that is the moment where you are so filled with the love of God in your life that there is no space in your life to entertain sin. You see the point? Most of the times for us, Jesus' followers, we sin because there is so much little of God in our lives. Don't you agree? We make God a fair only on Sunday, right? Most of the days we are just there, never think of God at all. And that's why when we are so little of God, when we are not filled with the sense of love of God for us, of course, of course, we will entertain sin in our lives. That's how you end up sinning. That's how I end up sinning even though I am a Christian. And that's why Paul understood the key. The key is not to just Look into the sin. But the key is to look into the grandeur, the magnitude of Christ's love for you, for me. So that 
you can be filled with the fullness of God. That there is no space, there is no space for you to entertain sin in your life. You become full of God when you are overwhelmed by how much Jesus loves you. Even for people who are struck by sufferings, who are going through difficult times. Do you remember the author who wrote, It Is Well With My Soul? Right? He lost everything. He lost his wife. He lost his children. He lost all his properties. He was just left to himself. And he was the one who was able to write, Lord, it is well with my soul. Even though everything tumbles down, that I will still stand and say, it is well with my soul. How can you get to that kind of posture in life? There is no other explanation than a man or woman being filled with the fullness of God. When you and I understand how much Christ has loved you, everything can be overwhelmed. Your sorrow, your sin, your situation, everything can be overwhelmed by the love of God. <clears throat> I found this very, to me, I thought it was quite funny. I don't know whether you feel it funny. But I found this quote and I thought it was quite funny, but I thought it really made a point. <clears throat> I want to be so full of Christ that if mosquitoes bite me, they will leave singing, there is power in the blood. <laughs> I love this because I am in a red zone of So I say, Lord, I claim this. Like, why well, I claim this? Because last week... I was on high fever and all those, you know, so I was also suspecting that maybe I had a dengue fever. So when I saw this, I said, Lord, I claim this. If the mosquito really beat me, uh, let them sing this. Whoa, this guy uh, got power in the blood, uh, got power in the blood, you know. <laughs> I think funny as it is, do you see the point here? that you can be so full of Christ that even if the devil come and bite you, that even if your emotion come and stir up trouble for you, when they come, it's your blood. In your blood, in your blood, they taste Christ. That's the picture. We are saying, you want to master your emotions? There are many ways to master your emotions. Like I said, if you read one of those books, you will get very practical steps, I tell you. You want one? I give you one tip, three, three action points. Name it, challenge it, channel it. Very good, very practical about how, dealing, how to deal with your emotions. But I think here we are talking about the source. We are talking about a greater issue that we need us. And that is sin. 
sin is the one that wants to control you and me, not our emotions. You are in control of your emotions. I am in control of my emotion. And by the way, if you are a Jesus follower, you, good news, are in control of your sin. But sin, every single moment, wants to take control of you. If you don't pay close attention to that, if you don't agree to that reality, then you will fall and fall again and again. Be so full of Christ that every bit about you is filled with the fullness of God. So that's my prayer. That's my prayer for you and me, that you will be filled, that you will grow deeper and deeper in understanding and grasping how much Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he came and he went up on the cross and he put himself up Naked on the cross, with excruciating pain and shame, he died for you. He died for me. And I can tell you at the same time, including myself, you and I have no idea how much Christ loved us. And the moment you and I begin to understand slightly deeper of how much He loves us every single day, that will make a difference in your life. That will make a difference in my life. It will change your perspective. It will change my perspective. It will change how you view others. It will change how you treat people. It will change how you treat your own emotions. It will change how you view life. It will change how you even view the current COVID-19 situation. It will change everything about you when you and I begin to grow deeper in understanding how much Jesus loves you, how much He loves me. And a simple way of practicing that it's just to listen to some of the songs that talks about how much He loves you and how much He loves me. And so, let us do that. You can close your eyes or you can open your eyes, but don't sing, don't sing. I just want you to sit back and listen to this song and just let the reality of how much Jesus loves you become a reality again for you and for me. I hope this will bless you. Luther.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for reminding us again that indeed we have received the greatest gift, and that is yourself. So continue, Lord, to grow our hearts in grasping the depths of your love for us. Make us full of you so that we see life and things around us in a different way. Change us, O oh God. And as we commit the beneath-the-surface issues to you, thank you for journeying with us for the past six to seven weeks. And we pray, O oh God, that so much we have listened, but we need you to be the one to transform us. So Holy Spirit, come and continue to fill our hearts with the love of Christ for each one of us. And as we do that, that we will see that we grow from inside out, that we grow emotionally healthy and we grow emotionally mature. So thank you for the works that you have done and thank you for hearing our prayers. In your name we pray. Amen.